0: Hey, hey. Welcome back to the podcast. Jessica Donovan here. And if you are new to the Natural Super Kids podcast, welcome. If you're a seasoned listener, welcome too. You are going to love this episode. Today, I am joined by a friend of mine and fellow naturopath, Georgie Stephen, who is very passionate about supporting mums in the postnatal period. Today, we are going to be talking about how to survive broken sleep. So, Georgie shares her tips and strategies and some really great information to support yourself through the wakeful phases with your babes. And I just love this topic because I think the focus gets so often put on how can we get our babies and kids to sleep better. But I think we all know that it's pretty normal for our babies, toddlers, um, and kids to wake through the night. And how can we support ourselves to survive that season of motherhood. So Georgie is all about supporting mums in that postnatal period with things like postnatal depletion, hormonal imbalances like thyroid issues, um, exhaustion. She's very passionate about sharing information on eating for more energy. So supporting your energy through that motherhood phase season of life with food and we do delve into um some of her tips around this as well so welcome georgie welcome to the podcast georgie thank you so much for having me so excited to be here oh i'm so excited about our chat so can you tell tell um people who are listening a little bit about you to get started absolutely
1: I'm Georgie, Georgie Stephen. I am a naturopath and I work with and support tired mums, especially mums of wakeful (laughs) slash sleepless babies who are not getting a ton of sleep. And I help them to survive the broken sleep phase, overcome exhaustion, and actually enjoy this crazy season of motherhood.
0: Yes, I love it. And we are focusing today on surviving that broken sleep, which I love. We were just talking off air about how not a lot of people are talking about this. Lots of people, you know, the focus seems to be on how to get your baby or toddler to sleep better. Um, but I love that you talk about this topic and excited to dive in. So let's start by um, talking about some of the biggest challenges that you see mothers face when it comes to sleep in the early years of motherhood.
1: Oh, goodness. Where to start with this question? <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, the thing you just touched on there is a really big challenge that there's not a lot of focus and support on your well being as a mother surviving this sleepless phase. Like, there's a lot of focus on your baby or your toddler and trying to shift things in that area. And, you know, that's all good and well sometimes if you want to do that. But I know for a lot of mums and you know these are the mums that I often end up supporting, and I was one of these mums. I mm. am a mum of wakeful baby, a still wakeful toddler I have a three year old daughter who still wakes in the night, which is really fun but mm. um <laughs> you know there's there's not um a ton of support there for those mums in terms of you know if they don't necessarily want to shift things when it comes to their baby sleep if they want to take a more go with the flow approach, you know, that kind of responsive nighttime parenting approach, then they're kind of just given two options. It's like just wait it out and suffer in silence Mm. or, you know, relent to some form of, you know, shifting sleep patterns, maybe the sleep training options that are offered to parents out there. And for a lot of mums, neither of those options feels aligned. Um, And so that's a really big challenge is just feeling like there aren't any options other than just waiting it out and suffering through all this sleep Mm. deprivation, you know, on their own. I think there's also lots of external pressure to uh, for mums around the sleep piece, getting your baby, you know, to sleep through the night by a certain age. Um, messages about what's normal when it comes to sleep and, you know, we (laughs) could have that kind of discussion around whether those expectations are actually aligned with what's biologically normal for a baby versus what's a cultural slash, you know, parental expectation. So sometimes there's a mismatch there which, which makes it, you know, difficult for mothers in this particular phase. And, you know, those things kind of combined, it can be difficult to, yeah, go with the flow, surrender to this season, let go of the expectations and, you know, just just keep responding to baby. Um, I think that it wouldn't be nearly as hard, all of this sleep sort of piece that we're talking about today, if it also work for all the other things that mums are also carrying on their shoulders so gosh there's so there's so many here I'll, I'll say a few but you know it's the loss of tribes that we have we're mothering in isolation at home on our own doing the work that would have traditionally been shared by many now on our own in our nuclear families so you know that's a huge pressure of this mental load that we carry as mums, also, you know, the division of labour in the home, the pressures that we feel to be perfect. There's so, there's so many things I think that really influence why these sleep, you know, why this early sleep piece can be so difficult. And a lot of it, you know, extends beyond just the sleep
0: itself. Yes, that's such a good point. It's one one part of the the bigger picture for sure. So are there any potential long-term concerns that you see for mums who face this chronic broken sleep without extra support?
1: Yes, definitely. And I think before I talk about some of these things it's important to acknowledge that sometimes this can be a, a hard conversation to have because you know if you're listening and you're a mum who is facing that chronic broken sleep you know it can be difficult to hear these kind of things because perhaps yeah you do feel like so much of this is outside of your control but as somebody who's gone through it myself i think and also you know supporting other mums now in the same position every week i think it's important to at least have some awareness of, you know, the immediate impacts that it has on your health day to day, as well as the potential long-term impacts, because then you, you know, as a mother, as a woman can make a decision about, you know, what steps to take, whether you want to seek that extra support, and also just being aware that it is important to have extra support. So, Having said that, you know, let's talk about a few of them. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know, in that immediate sense, like surviving day to day through the broken sleep, we see things like our blood sugar balance impacted, our immunity impacted, our hormone balance can be impacted, especially our thyroid health, and you know, for mums who have their menstrual cycle return, sometimes it can even extend to female menstrual cycle too. So those are some of the things that we might see come up. And then if we think a little bit more long-term for the mums who might be facing years of broken sleep, you know, we have to think about things like burnout and exhaustion are, you know, really obvious ones. Like you'll be feeling that sense of exhaustion day to day. But, you know, when we get to that point of burnout, You know, that's not a spot we want want to be in. We want to prevent that before we Mm. get there. Uh, Postnatal depletion um, is a term that maybe some of the mums out there have heard of. And the broken sleep part is really a huge piece of this when we end up in that depleted state as mums. Hormone imbalances, I kind of of spoke to, but we can get that kind of long-term impact and Again, you know, this is a sensitive topic, but just really something to be aware of as mums in this early family period. Uh, You know, when we are exhausted, burnt out or depleted, if we want to continue growing our family, it can have consequences for our fertility, family planning, you know, falling pregnant or even, you know, the comfort (laughs) slash discomfort of our next pregnancy and then thinking even further ahead to our next postpartum
0: yes such good points and i think as we we're, we're both naturopaths um you know we see that don't we those mums that have just kind of pushed through like multiple pregnancies and end up falling in a heap if they're sort of you know not getting that you know that right support um so back on sleep, there's a big range of normal when it comes to babies and toddlers, when it comes to sleep. So how can we tell, or how can parents tell the difference between normal night wakings and something that might be more problematic?
1: Yeah, I think this is such a good question to ask. And just get really clear on too, because, you know, as we said before, there's a lot of noise out there in terms of what babies should be doing or toddlers even should be doing when it comes to sleep. And a lot of that information is not always aligned with biological norms, like what we see in the research to be normal ranges for babies and toddlers. So there there is that big range of normal, but there are definitely cases when it extends past that. So things that I'm always on the lookout for when I'm talking with the mum, just to make sure that, you know, we're not missing anything that needs to be uh, investigated mm-hmm. or addressed is, you know, things like the duration of the sleep blocks that baby or toddler is getting, uh, the frequency of waking. So, you know, it is it is normal for babies to wake frequently in the night. But if those sleep blocks are, you know, routinely less than or around that one hour, you know, mm-hmm. so if they're waking that much, that might be something that we want to look a little bit deeper into. Also, you know, we can take a look at their naps, how long are the naps? Again, if they're very, very short and fractured, we might be wanting to give a more, bit more support through that. And then beyond that, we can kind of have a think about, okay, <clears throat> what's what's baby or toddler's mood and behavior and energy levels like when they're awake, because this can give us a little bit of information about whether the sleep that they are getting is filling up their sleep need cup, if you will. And so, you know, if they're lethargic, fatigued, not very energetic, you know, like we would expect a, an older baby or a toddler to be like, or if their mood, if they seem very irritable or uncomfortable or, um, you know, even inattentive, not responsive, then we might start to think about whether their sleep is impacting those parts of their wake time. There are some red flags we definitely want to be mindful of and not be on the lookout for. Things like um, mouth breathing and snoring, um, shortness of breath like your you know, child can't quite catch a breath, if they have a chronic wheeze, um, if there's any suspicion of enlarged tonsils or adenoids, um, or again, if they're waking quite frequently, we might want to take a look deeper at that. Excuse me, just have your sip of water. No worries. <laughs> and then naturopathically, you'll know this, Jess, and you've probably talked about it on the podcast before, but I'm always on the lookout for any other signs and symptoms that might not necessarily seem related to sleep, but we know that they have an impact on sleep. So things like digestive health, what are their bowel motions like, their nappies like, is there any blood or mucus in the stool? Not nice to think about, but we do see it. What is their nervous system function like? So again, thinking about their mood and their activity level. Also, always thinking about Nutrient levels in this child? Is there signs and symptoms of nutrient deficiencies? Have there been feeding difficulties in the journey or fussy eating? So, they're all the kind of things that, you know, from that more holistic perspective can influence sleep. Um, and look, it's, that's a bit harder for some parents to tease apart on their own. But those earlier, you know, waking windows and red flags that we talked about might lead you into questioning whether you need a bit of extra support.
0: Yeah, and I love that you brought all of that in. It's like just a very, like you said, holistic and and thorough approach that doesn't get talked about a lot when we're when we're thinking about sleep. And we certainly do see a lot of those issues here at Natural Super Kids, the enlarged adenoids and tonsils and, you know, the gut issues or digestive issues. Um so yeah, thank you for sharing those insights with us. So, what are your top tips for sleep deprived mums? Um, you know, how can these mums really, or what should they be focusing on to survive this broken sleep?
1: Yes, this is the magic. This is where the magic happens. <laughs> I think sometimes there's a temptation to search for like a magic pill or this amazing supplement, the superfood, the. You know, that the health hack that's going to help you survive broken sleep. And look, it's not to discount those. They might have their time and place. There's some good options out there in those categories. But, you know, it's really important to start with the foundations before you go searching for the magic pill. So when I say foundations, I'm thinking about the foundations of health or the pillars of health. People might have heard of that concept before, but it's this idea that, you know, our health, this, this umbrella term that is across our health is held up is supported by these foundations these pillars and it's things like our our sleep which obviously you know when on this topic is going to be a little bit compromised or not where we want it to be so then we focus on the other pillars things like prioritizing rest nourishing our body with real foods um <clears throat> getting gentle and regular movement, getting sunlight, having, you know, meaningful and supportive relationships, and also staying in connection with ourselves and having some personal time. And I know it's so easy to say all those things, like we need to do all these things as mums. Hearing that can be a different story if you're a tired, very sleep deprived mum. Hearing all that can be overwhelming. Like, oh my gosh, where do I begin? Like it might be simple in theory, but I don't have any spare time. I don't have any energy to do that. How can I prioritize rest when I have got, you know, a wakeful baby or or possibly multiple children to take care of on top of the mental load and the domestic responsibilities? So, you know, it's important to take it step by step and do one thing at a time but also not to discount how impactful these simple things can be. For example, you know, we can't, potentially we can't control how much sleep we're getting, but we can control some of the factors around sleep that influence the quality of the sleep we're getting. So that sleep, you know, it might only be in two hour blocks across the night, but can we put in place a few of those supportive factors or remove some of the barriers that might be making those two-hour blocks, you know, not as restorative as they can be. Another example, you know, when we say things like prioritise rest, that, that can just feel like impossible in early motherhood, but, you know, doing things like nap times, you know, if you are able to move away from baby, you know, if you you don't have a contact napping baby, then, you know, make that nap time just about you. Do something that you find really difficult or you just cannot do when baby's awake. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's just scrolling Instagram and that's okay, you know, because that's that's a nice release and that's got some benefits in its own way. Or read your book or call a friend or whatever it might be you know, rest when baby is sleeping. I know we don't want to hear sleep when the baby's sleeping, but we can choose to rest, whether that's actually lying down with baby or just sitting on the couch while they're having their nap. We can prioritize going to bed early again, like simple one, but it makes such a big difference. And we can look for micro pockets in our day where we can take Mini breaks, and I mean literal micro mini breaks, like three minutes, five minutes. They exist in almost everybody's day. We can punctuate you know the busyness of our day, going from one task to the next, one activity to the next with a little bit of a break. We can you know practice something like mindfulness, looking at what we can see, focusing on the breath, enjoying our coffee, which might be only lukewarm by this point in the day you know all of these little pockets if we do them enough throughout the day you know they can add up to a little bit of a break and then you know with the help of a partner or a support person we can make a plan for a larger pocket of time on our own which is so important we need to prioritize these moments in time you know it might just be once a week on the weekend when partner's home or you know something to that effect where we can have some alone time we can Plan what we're going to do. Be intentional about that time. Reconnect with ourselves, and it helps to fill
0: up that cup. Definitely, (laughs) and I I just love how doable that sounds. Like little, you know. I think a lot of people might think, oh, you know, three minutes. That's not going. That's not going to do anything. But it does add up over time, doesn't it? And it, yeah, just gives you that little pause in your day. So I really love that tip.
1: Yes, yes. And I think just on that particular point, because it can sound a little bit, you know, airy fairy, like that's not going to do anything when you're in the depths of sleep deprivation and exhaustion. But, you know, for those who like to kind of understand the biochemistry and the physiology behind it, what we're trying to do is really give the nervous system the opportunity to calm down and relax. And a lot of the time in motherhood, when we're going about our day, our nervous system is more in that activated switched on fight or flight needs to be vigilant and responding to children and it's getting all this sensory input mm. feeling overwhelmed feeling overstimulated so what we want to do with those micro pockets is give the nervous system that break to come back down to baseline back you know ground it down and give it give it an opportunity to oh, you know take that sigh that sigh of relief and um You know, we can do that throughout the day so that we can then go back to our work as a mother ready for that next, you know, onslaught of sensory input, having, you know, grounded ourselves a little bit.
0: Yes, definitely. And it's, you know, it, it does make a big difference, you know, that just giving our nervous system that little, those little micro breaks. I really love that. And I know I've heard you talk a lot about nutrition. Can you talk, I know that's a huge topic for, you know, when it comes to kind of surviving broken sleep, but if you had Kind of one thing that you'd like to share um, that that mums can do that are in this kind of zone of broken sleep to um, help. What would it be? One
1: thing, yes. <laughs> I put you on the spot there, haven't I? <laughs> Not at all. No, no, no. I just I love it. I often talk with mums about you know developing an understanding of things that support energy versus things that drain energy. So. And there's lots of nutritional things that we can think about around that piece. And I think the biggest one for being an energy giver and supporting yourself through this phase, and this connects to so many of the things that we've talked about, is really prioritizing good bioavailable protein with every meal. And when I say bioavailable, that term might be familiar to some people, might not be. What it means, it's a concept that describes how easy, easy it is for our body to access the nutrients or a certain nutrient within a food, how easy it is for the body to break down that food, take the nutrients, absorb them into the body, and then use them for all the important functions. And different foods have different bioavailabilities. Ideally, we're prioritizing the most bioavailable sources to make it easy for our body. And that's why I, I like bioavailability for mothers because, you know, they're already under so much pressure in all these different ways that we want to lighten the load in as many other ways as possible, including in a digestive and nutritional sense. So protein foods, I'm sure you've talked about protein at length on this podcast already, but, you know, we're thinking about things like our meats, our fish and seafood, our dairy and eggs. They're really our most bioavailable sources. And we do have other plant based sources like our legumes, nuts, lentils, seeds, (laughs) chickpeas, beans, um, those kind of things, which can also be included for our protein needs to add variety to our foods. But, you know, it's for mothers, it is just the quickest, easiest path to nourishment, choosing the bioavailable sources. And there's one other important point I just want to mention on this and why I've chosen it as my number one. The other thing about bioavailable protein sources is that they're also the most nutrient-dense foods. So when, you know, nutrition, nutritional scientists look at foods and they break down, you know, how much of the most important nutrients, these essential nutrients are in a given food, what comes out on top are our animal foods and our leafy greens. So leafy greens don't contain a ton of protein. So just for the point of this particular Mm -hmm. um, question, you know, it's really those animal foods that are going to nourish our body, be easiest to digest, give us a really decent source of protein and why protein is important for mothers. My goodness, there are so many reasons and anybody who knows me knows that this is my number one go to. I talk about it all the time. I have countless blogs and videos over on my website. So if anyone wants to deep dive, that's the place to go. Um, you know, protein, it stabilizes our blood sugar. And you might remember from the start of the conversation, we said that blood sugar can be impacted by broken sleep. So that's always front of my mind. It keeps us full between meals, so we're not snacking. It curbs sugar cravings. It helps us to um, regulate our body composition. So for mums who who have a goal of postpartum weight loss, this is crucial too. It's important for the physical recovery that comes after birth um, and postpartum. You need it in high amounts for breastfeeding, skin health, hair health, hormone balance. Like the list goes on and on and on. (laughs) So this is why I always start here. And because of that kind of two birds, one stone thing, we get the protein and all those benefits, but we also nourish our body with all of these essential
0: micronutrients at the same time. Yes, I just love that. And I think, you know, protein foods are not the foods that we tend to go for when we are in that really tired, exhausted state either, are they? So I think we have to make a really conscious decision to get more of these foods into our, our diet, right?
1: Absolutely. And that particular point is is such an important one to understand because it it's understanding what's going on with your physiology again so that you can kind of see it when it's happening because sh- cravings for things like sugar and those carbohydrate-rich foods, you know, the breads and the crackers and the chips and the cookies... That's one of the most common things that the mums I work with express to me. Like I have these intense cravings and that is happening partly because of the broken sleep. Like when we're sleep deprived, we have multiple mechanisms that go off. One of them being the blood sugar balance piece that basically drives these cravings. And so it's not your fault. It's not a willpower thing. You know, don't blame yourself. It's it's your physiology. It's the sleep. But to counteract that, we can prioritize the protein. And, you know, there's there's not much in your nutrition or health that really is like that magic bullet. But if you are eating enough bioavailable protein, it really takes care of so many of these things, like the cravings and like the, you know, reaching for those kind of carbohydrate rich foods will get which will give you the quick energy fix. But once we get this protein piece nailed, you know, the the cravings reduce, it, appetite regulates, you feel fuller, satiated, much more in control when it comes to food.
0: Yes, such a good point. And I talk about this in relation to kids as well. So many kids are not eating enough protein, particularly at breakfast, lunch, like they might have a good amount of protein at dinner time. But, you know, this leads to the mood and behavioral fluctuations and all kinds of other issues as well. So it's so important, not just for mums, but for for kids as well. So I'm so glad that that was your your number one <laughs> when it comes to nutrition.
1: <laughs> yes. And you know what? Just quickly on that point, I say that to, to the mums I work with too. Like if you learn this piece about protein, put down these new habits, because a lot of food and our meals it really just comes down to habit and you know shifting things slowly once you put these pieces down you know what you're feeding yourself is most likely what you're going to be feeding your family and it's equally as important maybe even more so for your kids so by doing this for yourself you're also supporting your In these ways, with their growth, with their behaviour, with
0: their sleep as well. Yes, and that's such a good way to put it because I know, you know, as mums ourselves, we know that we'll probably do, we'll probably be motivated for the benefits for our kids than we are for the benefits of ourselves because that's kind of our our maternal nature, right? Exactly. Um. Oh, I mean, we could we could jam on protein for another hour. I'm sure, <laughs> but I know also over on your Instagram. What's your Instagram handle again? Georgie Stephen and Stephen is spelled with a ph. So Georgie Stephen with a little underscore at the end. Okay, and I'll make sure mm-hmm. that it, that we put that link in the show notes because you share so many great behind the scenes sort of like in your stories on Instagram that that I think are really helpful for mums who are kind of trying to make these changes because you show us how you're doing it, um, you know, in really practical ways. So I encourage everyone to go and check out uh, Georgie's Instagram and we'll pop the the link in the show notes uh, for that. And so much great info over there as well. And we'll make sure we pop the link to your your YouTube um, as well. So any last little nuggets of wisdom, anything else you would like, you know, those tired mums listening to know?
1: Yes, gosh, so much. <laughs> but the the one message I really want every tired mum to know is that when if you're feeling exhausted, if you would describe yourself as burnt out, exhausted, depleted, any of those kind of words... That is not a normal part of motherhood, and there is this really strong message out there that it is normal to feel tired just because you're a mum, and we especially internalise this message if we have a wakeful baby because naturally broken sleep it's gonna make us feel you know less energized, but you know there is a difference between t- being a tired you know the tiredness of motherhood because of all the things you're doing and being an exhausted, burnt out, depleted mum, that is not normal and if you do feel that way, I would encourage you to seek answers, get some support if you can because there could be something underlying here that is worth digging deeper into to try and understand and then to, you know, specifically support and fix. I at this point have lost count of how many mums have come to work with me and, you know, the step of deciding to come and work with me is a big step in itself because when I talk to these mums and hear their stories, it's, you know, I've been feeling this way for, in some cases, years, you know, multiple children (laughs) through pregnancies and multiple postpartums and, you know, it wasn't until I heard your work or your message that I thought, oh, maybe this exhaustion I'm feeling isn't normal and we go on to, you know, do a thorough assessment, which often includes blood testing. And it, it, they, it, something comes up that is a clear driver mm-hmm. of this exhaustion, you know, like thyroid imbalances are very, very common mm-hmm. in postpartum and exhaustion fatigue, classic symptom of that, iron deficiency, B12 deficiency, blood sugar imbalance, you know, just to name a few of the, the main ones. You know, and once we know they're there, we know exactly how to support you to get you better. And again, you know, I'm lucky that I have these experiences and, and opportunities to work with mom because we go on that journey. We identify what's wrong. We support them through it. And on the other side, they are feeling, you know, re- resilient. The brain fog is gone. The energy is back. They can think clearly, memory's back online, they're enjoying their kids, they're no longer snappy, they're, you know, they're they're back, their vitality's back. So <laughs> long story short, you know, it is not normal to be exhausted just because you're a mum.
0: Yes, I love that because, you know, I think mums get told that by so many, you know, doctors or other health professionals. Well, you're just a new mum. Of course you're gonna be tired, or of course you're gonna be exhausted. So um, and I know you are the perfect person to be supporting these mums as well. So can you tell us a bit more about what you offer? And I know you've got a a free guide um, as well. Tell us more about that. Yes, thank you.
1: i um I have a a guide for tired mums. It's my seven step guide to boosting your energy for tired mums, even if you have a wakeful baby and look, it really is um the good stuff, you know, it's where I start with a lot of my clients. So, you know, if you're not in an opportunity to work one-on-one with someone, get the guide because it will walk you through some of those foundations. It talks about the protein. It talks about, you know, those things that we've covered in this chat today. Uh, and you can access that on my website, which is georgiesteven.com.au or over on Instagram is really where I'm most active. And you can also easily find the link for the guide there.
0: Awesome. And we'll make sure that we pop the links in the show notes. And if people do want to work one-on-one with you, um, can you tell us more about what you offer in that space? Yes, absolutely. So I do, I work one-on-one with mums
1: and I also do a lot of work with their babies too, you know, around that sleep piece if, if parents feel like that's something they want to dive deeper on. Uh, and I also offer a membership for for mums called Mother Nourish. And inside that, we, we really dive deeper into all of these wonderful topics and, you know, explore things at a nice mother-friendly pace, you know, where mums can absorb and explore these concepts, these foundations, these strategies to, you know, make meaningful changes to their health, to overcome exhaustion and to survive broken
0: sleep. So good, so good. And um we will make sure all of those links are in the show notes and you can get to all of that through Georgie's website, which is Georgie Stephen with a ph um, and dot com dot au. You said it was, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, thank you. That's me. Lovely. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. Like I said, there's not a lot of people talking about this surviving broken sleep. So um, I I just think so many mums in our audience will get so much out of this chat. So thanks, Georgie. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Head on over to our website, naturalsuperkids.com for the show notes for this episode, as well as a whole heap of inspiration to help you raise healthy and happy kids. I'll see you next week.